We have a terrific community, you know, that are so supportive and so nurturing and yeah. they, you know, they, everyone else succeed. It's, it's really zero competition. Hello and welcome to Good Moves, a podcast by Punch Bars. On our show, we have wholehearted conversations with fitness and yoga studio owners to learn more about the unique ways they run their business and inspiring ways they live their lives. I'm your host, Claire. I ran a thriving yoga studio for eight years and have been part of the Punch Pass team for almost as long. We have so much to learn from each other. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to Good Moves, a podcast by Punch Pass. Today we have Rini with us from Challenge Aerial. Can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? My name is Rini Essler. I own and run Challenge Aerial, which is the largest aerial art studio in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. We have a hundred, about more or less a hundred classes a week. Oh and we offer classes in aerial silks, aerial sling, sometimes called hammock, aerial lira, sometimes called hoop, dance trapeze, rope, aerial yoga, ground dance, Pilates, ground yoga. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. I techno saw, ballet, I was ballroom gonna ask dancing, you about, and Latin dancing. That's amazing. I saw techno <laughs> ballet today and I was going to ask you what that is, but we may maybe get yeah. to that a little bit later. I'm very intrigued. How long have you been running the studio? I opened the studio six months before COVID hit. Wow. So I opened it in, yeah, in September of 2019, two and a half years now. So it's been your baby from the beginning. It was your idea. It was your, you got it started? No, I wouldn't say that. No? Okay. <laughs> no, I uh, I was a student, right, mm-hmm. of Ariel. Ter- uh, terrible. I'm not good at Ariel. I'm good at owning Ariel. I'm not actually good at doing I was Ariel. actually going to read the but... quote that's, that's on your website. I was, do you mind if I read this quote out loud? Because I found no, it absolutely no. brilliant. Here we go. Rini is the owner of Challenge Aerial and adores the aerial arts, although she has no flexibility or natural grace, so none of the apparatus comes easily to her. If you need a confidence boost, ask her how long it took her to get one of her toes to touch a trapeze, and you will walk away feeling pretty good about your accomplishments. I adore that. I think that is fantastic. (laughs) It took me two months to get a single toe to touch a trapeze. That's and, that, and, the, and after that, then you have to like wedge, you know, use your toe to like leverage against the bar. Uh-huh. And, and then by pushing against the bar, you can get the rest of your body up. So oh like it was just a toe that I got, <laughs> not like the feet to go under, nothing like that. A I, toe. See, my, my toxic trait is thinking that I could just do that if I decided, you know, that I decided to do that. But I'm fairly certain that that's actually that too, not the case. I was, a rower. I was like, I'm oh, not, yeah, yeah you would have had a strong thing. core, but no different functionality. Yeah, you would think yeah. That, yes, it was not the same. So you started as a student. Let's go back again after that little diversion. I did. So I started as a student because I was walking my uh, kids home from school one day. And the I, unbeknownst to me, like two blocks from my house, there was a church that had been converted into a studio mm-hmm. and they had the doors open so I could uh, hear the music. So we stopped to see it and I was like mesmerized. I was like, that's it. We're going to take Ariel. So I enrolled my daughters and then I discovered they had an adult class. So mm-hmm. I enrolled myself. And fast forward two years later, the studio closed and I was like, huh, and I was bummed. I really enjoyed it. And a few other students really enjoyed it too, but one was already a small business owner and she was, she was fabulous. She was really gifted at it. Mm-hmm. And so we decided we'd go in together Wow! and then we convinced a third person who is an accountant to join us. So there was three of us in the beginning Yep. and then the accountant, we all had daytime jobs. 
the accountant's daytime job took her out of state, so she couldn't participate. So that took us to two. And then my partner had a massive coronary attack and she died. And I'm so, so sorry. that took it down to me. I know it was horrible. But we have a beautiful window of her tattoo in our studio. I think I read why. about her so on the website too and, and how special she was. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. She was very special. So that's that's actually how I ended up owning it myself. It's yep. not intentional, just sort of happened that way. So you pushed forward. Had you do, had an experience running businesses before? No. Nothing no. at all? Nothing. <laughs> so it's a bit of a steep <laughs> but I did have curve. I did have a master's in business administration. So I had some, you know, basic business background. Okay. And, you know, I'd been working for quite some time. So how did that go? The process of setting it up and getting it all up and running? Was it a simple case of just taking over what the other people were doing or was there much more to it than that? No, no. no it was a non-existing space. It's actually a nice story, actually. Yeah. We had, uh, we knew we needed 20 foot ceilings. So it's at meters, like six, six and a half meter ceilings. Mm-hmm. And it, that's really hard to come by because it's not quite common. And then we also noted that we wanted to be near schools because, you know, if you can get kid classes, you've got pretty standard programming. So yes. we had created this parameter, like this, this kind of circle. We created these different circles on the map to say these were areas that were close enough to a school that, and, and had enough of population, basically, that, that would support a studio. And so we went to look at this, this church that was actually by a federal penitentiary uh, prison <laughs> They had been restored and we thought, well, like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit dodgy, right? Being right by a prison, but we thought maybe we could make it work, but it ends up we couldn't make it work. But the realtor, when I was telling him what we wanted, said, kept telling me about this place that was like, you know, a 10 minute walk from my house. And, and he kept describing the building to me and the whole time he's describing the building. I was like, net, net, like move along. I know the building you're talking about. There's nothing in there that has 20 foot ceilings. Like it, I know the owner, I know oh, all the really? tenants in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he kept saying to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's 20 foot ceilings on the second floor. Now who, who <laughs> yeah, no. has ever heard of 20 foot ceilings on the second floor, right? Yeah. So I was like, you just don't know what you're talking about. So finally I was like, he, he finally described the room to me and I was like, are you talking about the storage room? Like the storage room. He's like, yeah, 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 the storage room. I said, you're out of your mind. But nevertheless, it kind of like stuck with me. So the landlord, the, the owner of the building actually served on a board with me. Mm-hmm. And so I called him the next day and I said, can I take you to lunch? Like we haven't seen each other. So we go to lunch and at lunch, I tell him, I said, you know, I heard the craziest story. I heard that the the storage room upstairs has like 20 foot ceilings. And he's like, yeah, like, give or take an inch. I was like, what? Like, can we go see it? And he was like, "Uh, okay. And so we go in and it's not like just a storage room. It's, it was the Masonic meeting hall. It's stunning. Spectacular. Yeah. It's stunning. Right. I mean, it has like 12 inch hand carved molding and huge hand carved pillars and all of these windows and the balustrade leading up to the balcony is like this beautiful hand polished wooden carved swirly piece. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it was storage. Were they using it for storage or... Yeah, 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 it was a storage room. Oh my god! And so I was like, "Oh my heavens!" So, uh, so first we, ha- I had to convince him that you know no one would die doing aerial because he was he'd never seen it, so he was understandably you know concerned about it. Yeah. And then, then I we had to get everything out. And when I say storage, there was like someone's living room was in there. Oh Some band had practiced once upon a time there. All their equipment was wow. there. There was like forty seven wooden desks, forty seven because we counted them. <laughs> I don't even know how many chairs. Like all that stuff had to come out and go down 
you know, flight of stairs. And then once we got it empty, uh, we had to go through the permitting process. And, you know, everyone says whatever they tell you for permitting, like tack on a year. I can't um, imagine for Ariel and the risk involved with that. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of amazing to me they ever approve it. And I'm glad that they do. But yeah, there's a fair well, amount of risk involved. Well, the funny thing is the very, very end, they weren't, they weren't going to, they hung it up again. <gasps> and most of it was really just, you know, the city just wanting. Right. It's, you know, everything to be dotted and checked and this, and every time the city declined me the landlord's lawyer said we're out like because they were oh. really nervous about it and the last time the city rejected me I was like oh no oh no 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 <laughs> and I had the name of the of the reviewer of the plans and so I did some background research on him and I realized that uh, he was Egyptian and uh, Ramadan was just about to start and uh, I used to live in Morocco, so I have like a smidge, like a smidge mm-hmm. of Arabic. And so I reached out to him and I blessed his Ramadan, you know, I blessed his family and I blessed the Ramadan holiday. And I said, I, you know, I don't want to tie you up during Ramadan, but, you know, if you'd be so kind as just to give me just 10 minutes of your time so I can explain what's going on, we could like wrap this all up before the feast begins. And, mm-hmm. and he was so impressed that I knew it was Ramadan nice. and I could, you know, greet him in Arabic. And so he sat down with me walked me through all the the problems with the plans and then put me on his calendar. And he said, you know, come back with these changes tomorrow and I'll stamp you. Wow. So that's how we finally got it through. So you got it through the so human all, connection. All the people who are listening who think that their, yeah, their world history and kind of culture, world culture <laughs> classes don't come in useful. That's... Well, it just speaks to that connection, though, that human to human thing that you really need to get for the I mean, it seems like bureaucracy until it's it's not. It's just a guy who, you know, can be connected. Yeah. with. I think that's a yeah. really cool thing. That's yeah, amazing. You just had a job to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got your OKs the next day and you were good to go. Yeah. Got the stamp the next day and we started. That's brilliant. So did you have a lot of help? You said you were on your own at the start. Did You obviously had people who believed in the project as well. Who supported you? So I did have all the instructors from the studio that I'd been at had mm-hmm. no home. Yeah. So I had kind of a family, right, of instructors right. that were ready to start like from the beginning. Yeah. And then their students, they'd been cobbling together things like, you know, people's warehouses. Well, it's and, like, not the know, sort of thing you can uh, do like yoga everything. in the park or anything, you know, like yeah, you can't just not, put not up safely. 20 slings. No, I mean, that's not going to yeah, work you, out. Not, so you really are orphaned that way, but, when places close. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. They they kind of cobbled it together, but not, there weren't a lot of students in the start. So like, okay. you know, I, I, I went into it saying I have one, two, three, four, five, four or five instructors mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe like 20 students at the start. So it was, it was kind of a big risk, but like, you know, business is a risk, right? right? If, if you think there's no risk, you're yeah. kidding yourself. But I just thought to myself, you know, there's nothing else. Like if I loved it this much, surely some others would like mm. it this much. And I knew I was in walking distance of four schools. Yeah. So I thought, okay, you know, if, if parents and uh, I felt like, you know, parents like to know where their kids are. They can walk here safely. It's kind of something cool and different. And mm-hmm. it's very individual. So for kids who don't really gel well in that kind of team environment, like where it's, right. the team becomes too intense or yep. it's just... They don't like big crowds. Yep. You know, this is very individual. So, you know, you're in a group class, but you have your own piece of apparatus. You're doing your own thing. It's mm-hmm. a very individualized sport. So I thought, you know, I can probably sell a lot of parents on that who want the physical activity. But when kids are young, there's not many opportunities to be individual in a sport. Right. You Absolutely. Know, it's, very, it's, it's all group sports. Yeah. So, so that's how we kind of started off. And then, you know, we picked up some... We picked up some adult classes and I thought, okay, like we might make it. And then the pandemic <laughs> hit and I thought, okay, we might not make it. 
But the beauty of our space, we were very fortunate, was that when the pandemic closed, I uh, I took those two months and I said, okay, so if I can't make it, then you know I I go down with the best of them, right? Because right. the pandemic was going to just knock so many businesses yeah. out. But I thought, you know, I could use the time well. So it's actually it was during that time that I switched to punch paths. Ah, so because nice. um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I had a clunky system and I thought, you know, I can use this time wisely and yep. figure out a system that's going to make registration much easier and make class programming for me so much smoother. Beautiful. Um, so I. Yeah, I spent that time going through a bunch of options. And, yep. and yeah, yeah, I'm glad it was us. That's awesome. <laughs> so you closed completely for I, the two months. You didn't do any, you didn't do online classes or anything. Obviously, with the silks, I that did. wouldn't work. But you didn't do yeah, anything with exactly. the yoga or dance or anything. But, we, but no, we didn't do anything. I didn't have the dance space then. That okay. that expansion came later. Yep. But what we did, what we were able to do is we we're in a pretty conservative Republican state and mm-hmm. they, uh, they didn't close for long. So we were only down for like 10 weeks maybe. Okay. And then when they opened, you know, they were very, that was back when we thought that fomite transmission was still a thing, right? So mm-hmm. we thought if you touched anything and yeah, you had that was stressful. isolate yeah. everything for Absolutely. a long time. And, but, but I had a few things going. So I had this very big space to begin with, with a lot of points. So mm-hmm. I could meet the the maximum, like, you know, the maximum number of students allowed were 10. Yeah. And, and, and it was based on your square footage and most studios didn't have the same square footage I had with the number of points. And so their maximum allowed like students were three. Yeah. And, and you can't function. No, right? you if can't run a business. Your entire business model is no. three, three customers. <laughs> uh, but with 10, yeah. you could kind of like say, okay, you can come in and practice. Like, yes. so I'll do open practice in two hour blocks and let people come that way. And, you know, with 20 foot ceilings and windows that open and a new HVAC system uh, and by necessity, really by safety, you're always six feet apart. You yes. have to be because the equipment has to be far enough so you can't swing into each other. Yeah, so that's perfect. Um, so the nature of the sport automatically separated itself. Right. Yeah. And then it automatically had the height to allow the air circulation. So it was a much easier transition for people to understand. And you felt good like, about that? You oh, felt I, very I, safe and, it, you know, you were happy to have We had zero space. transmission. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we did have masks, though. We never were unmasked the entire time. But you've, yeah. those have been no, dropped now, too. And nobody fussed about it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's fantastic. I know you have a background in public health, done my research. I do. And you used a word before that I've never heard about the uh, touching things Fomite. transmission. <laughs> so, how did you feel from that perspective? I have a feeling you have a little more insight than the regular person into the pandemic and things like that. Did did you feel confident having people back in, obviously, and then using the masks and then reopening without the mask in the last few months? Has that felt? Uh, I really did. You know, we, we kind of knew early on that it was airborne just by the nature of how it was spreading. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you still have to wait for the scientists to kind of do of due course. diligence and peer review yeah. the data and then finally say it was, you know, it's air transmission. And that made a big difference. We were adamant about a few things. But I'll tell you what I, I did that I thought made a big difference is I bought from from a farm supply company <laughs> this huge backpack that they used to spray chemicals. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would use that to disinfect the studio. So I had like a fog. Kind of fog basically. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh-huh. And, and, uh, and I, I didn't want to use like chemicals because they, uh, I was just really concerned about what that would be like for people. Because, yeah. you know, people can be so sensitive to chemicals. They can. But, you know, rubbing alcohol is just a remarkable kind of solution. And so I used a diluted mix of rubbing alcohol, which then smells terrible. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get rubbing alcohol or, or that sometimes it's called other things. It's the alcohol that you use to clean wounds. Yeah. 
And so I'd use that and, and dilute it and then put a lot of essential oil in it so it'd smell better. And then it went into the industrial fogger. Yep. And I was like, you know, from Ghostbusters, the movie, I was just like out there, <laughs> you know, all over. <laughs> but, uh, but it always smelled great. Yeah. So that was positive. Yeah. And that, and it, it clean, you know, it dries fast because yep. it's alcohol based. And, and no one got drunk. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> good it, was, it was a win. That's you know? awesome. So it was slow. I mean, people definitely, I definitely had people that uh, waited a really long time. Some some people never came back until, you know, we were allowed to go maskless. Okay. Um, a lot of people didn't come back until they were, uh, you know, they felt that they had gotten the booster mm-hmm. and everything. I was also part of a clinical trial for the vaccine. Okay. And so, yeah. And they, and I think they all knew that. <laughs> so <laughs> so they knew I think how that you made felt a about it. too. Cause they were, yeah, they were, they were more than happy to talk, you know, about whether or not I had the real one or whether oh I had the goodness. placebo and, yeah. you know, did it feel different? So you were quite upfront with that need and, and that, that sort of policy yeah. that that was something that yeah. you were going to be supporting and you were going to be requiring. Yes. And it was interesting, actually, because I, I mean, who likes to wear a mask? Nobody. Nobody. Um, no. But I tr- what, I, I, what I really did try to do is, is be very transparent with the students to yep. say, you know, this, this is not choice anyone wants, but it's the choice that allows us to stay open. Yep. And the other thing I did do is the minute I had notification that a student had become infected, mm-hmm. I notified everyone. I didn't, I didn't necessarily follow the guidance. So the guidance said, you know, it was, it was 15 minutes within 24 hours. Right. It was close contact and, yeah. you know, for the contact tracing. And, and I, I just told them all, like, I, if I know that you have been in the studio at all, regardless mm-hmm. of when it was in the course of a day with somebody who's notified me that they were infected, then I will notify you and allow you to make that choice. That's great. You know, whether or not you feel you're at risk. And it seemed that, you know, just them knowing that I was willing to be 100% transparent, you know, Every single time, yep. it was a tiresome email after a while. Yeah, I bet it was going out <laughs> fairly often in the end. It was going out Maybe still is, I don't know. Um, yeah, but it, it, you know, it really, uh, I think it really helped. It helped people kind of make that decision. Like I was on, I, I was on top of it. And more importantly, my students were honest about it. Well, that's true. You know? Yeah, they didn't feel the need to hide it from you. They never did. Uh, the other that's thing great. I did too is I eliminated any cancellation penalty or late fee. Oh, nice. Even. So I, I said to them, like, I, I don't, if you, if you have a sniffle, I don't, like, whatever it is, I don't yeah. care. If you can't come, don't come. And that's like, that other benefit people, to yeah. the big space. I think we had a lot of clients who really struggled with that um, when things got quite hectic because they had the smaller space, like you were saying before, and they didn't have very many slots for people to be there. But at the same time, of course, you do want people to cancel if there's any concern at all. So they really found themselves exactly. between a rock and a hard place with trying to make those two things balance out. So having that yeah, beautiful my, my space, space size was my biggest blessing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and for the smaller studios, they didn't make it and it was of no fault of their own. Yeah. We're was, seeing still a lot. Unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. We're seeing a lot falling still now. I th- sort of thought we'd be over it, but still a lot going on. How are you finding people are feeling now that they're coming back? Are you getting an influx of new people? We're seeing kind of a lot of people bursting at the seams to try the thing they've been putting off for two years. Is that happening for you too? Yeah. And I didn't really, I saw the bursting, the bursting has been ever since the vaccine rolled out. Okay. I wouldn't say that actually the, the kind of, you know, official recognition by the public health agencies that, you know, you could be maskless if you were vaccinated. That didn't really seem to make a difference, but I did see a real change in kind of in, in people's journey, life journey. Okay. Like it seemed like a lot of them were like, you know, if, if this pandemic didn't take me down, then Darn it, I'm going to be an aerialist. I don't care them. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely that vibe. 
My oldest student is 74. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it, they, it was really for the first time that I think people kind of re, reset mm-hmm. kind of their life goals yeah. and said, you know, I'm going to be what I want to be. Yeah. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And I think a lot of that is happening with our yoga studios and places like that as well. And I've certainly had it that that feeling in my own life as well, that now's the time. And I really hope we can hang, kind of hang on to that feeling for a while and we don't all just go back to our routines and feeling like there's certain things yeah. we can't do because we're getting a little bit older. I know that you have classes for, I don't want to say older people because that's my age too, <laughs> but you do. I have, have midlife flyers. You do. You have midlife flyers, which I love the name well, of Well, I'm that. 54. Like, so I didn't start till I was 47. That's, I, um, I love that. Yeah, so, it's so, <laughs> so I myself as a midlife flyer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I used to teach yoga and I had a lot of people saying, you know, oh, I'm getting older and things are starting to hurt. And, you know, and they just feel like that's just the way it's going to be now is they're just going to get older and things are going to start going to crap for want of a better phrase. But that's why I love seeing programs that are specifically targeted to people where they I know they're going to be with a group of people that are of a similar age and a similar vibe. Yeah. How do you find those people show up and how do you deal with the fact they're all going to be at very different levels of fitness and ability? What's your approach? For the for our midlife flyers, we did it very specifically designed to say, you know, kind of expectations when you're 40 and above tend to be different. Mm-hmm. In most cases, you you want a little bit more time on the stretching and the flexibility. You're much more interested in the strength, right? Mm-hmm. Than you are necessarily in the the visualization of the performance. Right. Like, you, know, you want to be able to show your friends, but you don't really have a, a career aspiration to say, I'm going to get a gig on a cruise ship or right. anything like that. And so just your your purpose or, or your, your drive to be there is very different. And so we, you know, I kind of found instructors that kind of jived with that. Mm-hmm. They really understood that you kind of come into a different mindset with that. And then we also, um, we added a level classes. So we started going like with ones, 1.5, two, right. 2.5. Yep. But the biggest thing we really did is I, and I tell my uh, students this all the time because they get hung up sometimes on, on progressions, but I said to them all the time, like we practice adulting. People learn, for adult classes, kids right. not the same, but you know, people learn differently. So some adults want to be, want to have everything absolutely locked down, mm-hmm. right? They want to know that everything that they learned, they learned and they can repeat multiple times and they, they're top of game on and it. And they want to do it right every one. time. Yes, right. yeah, that perfectionism. And there's yeah. others who say, you know, I really learned best by being the worst. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm okay watching everyone else do it and I can't because I'll get there. I just want to see it. Yes. I want to see them do it. I want to see that progression. And that's a personal learning style. Absolutely. So we really said... You know, we're going to practice adulting and you get to choose the class that you think you should be in based on the teacher, based on the style, based mm-hmm. on the other students that are in there. And as long as you're okay, that there might be times that you're left behind, like yeah. you just can't do what the others are doing. We'll always make sure you can do something safely. We'll yes. give you something that's conditioning based to help you develop the muscles to get to that point, you know, but you may not be able to do the trick that they're learning. And as long as you're okay with it, yep. then, you know, we, we have a place for you. And and if that's, if you think yourself, I'm not okay, well, then we'll put you in a different one. Absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll get you into the right class. And yep. that, that seems to work, but that's not consistent with a lot of the studios. So, uh, and there's not a right or wrong, you know, other studios that are much more performance-based yep. have a much, you know, more stringent curriculum and, and they have students that really thrive in that environment. So right. There's just different models. So you guys aren't performance-based. I know you, I saw some on your Facebook page and your website that there are performances. Is that more for the younger students or is yes. it an opportunity you give for everybody? 
No, we do. We do performances and we have, uh, we always have student showcases. We're actually going to start rolling out some more informal ones soon where people can just sign up and like, you know, every one Saturday of every month, it will be kind of like a, an open showcase where people go into a lottery That's cool. um, if they want to perform. Yeah. So, but what we don't do is everything, we don't teach to a show. So okay. everything is not developing a show and, and then, you know, performing a show. It is much more developing a love for Ariel. Right. So happens that some people love to perform. And so there's always that chance, yep. but it's, it's not, that's not the be all and end all for us. You know, is that something that you find motivates your students to perform? Do you find some of them coming out of their shell and thinking it's something they'd never do and then eventually coming around to the idea? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some who hold off for the first year or so because they just aren't ready. I do think it's going to be very different for me to to answer that question next year because so far, uh, none of my adult students have had the opportunity to perform in Right, person. yeah. Every time we had one scheduled you know, we were in lockdown and we couldn't do it safely. The kids have just by dumb luck, right? Because <laughs> in between the all their the, schedule yeah. has, it would seem like we were at the low and they'd open up and then it'd spike again and it was the adults time and they were blocked oh. out again. Yeah. So I'll answer that question better for adults next year. Yeah. Do a podcast part two. <laughs> I'd love to. But, um, <laughs> but I do think that adults, some of them, I think, come out of their shell. Like even when we, uh, when we filmed them all, so we, we, we ran the performances and we brought in videographers and we, mm-hmm. we created uh, performance like videos for them. And, and they, you know, they had so much fun creating, Yeah, like, you know, deciding the costumes and the, the music that they wanted. And, and some of them had real themes behind it. It was wonderful. Yeah. There's definitely some who that's just not their, their thing, right? Yeah. They're, they're in this for the, they're, they're in it for the challenge. They, they just come for different reasons. I definitely have ones who have discovered, I mean, there's ones who love performing from the get-go, right? They just, you know, they're on Instagram. They've barely been in their first class and they're posting on Instagram, yeah. you know, regularly. Yeah. But we do have a lot of others, I think, who are, who are slowly discovering the confidence, their inner confidence to mm-hmm. start a performance, you know? And classes really help with that because there's, there really is, there's such a genuine spirit in the space where everyone wants to see someone else successful. I can imagine the groups getting quite, yeah, quite connected, especially with the the courses where everyone's in the same space at the same time, week after week. I imagine it would be pretty Yeah. And there's, there's always things that people, there's like these milestones in people's lives in, in aerial, you know, like a, an inversion is a huge thing. Yeah. Same thing in yoga. Yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. the process like, is such you know, an important stand, part right? of it's that. It's a big thing that people right. work toward, yeah. But you spend time um, on the process. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, a huge time building yeah. it up and becoming comfortable with it. And so so a lot of those are ones where, you know, that's the, the piece might actually focus around something as simple as that because it's huge. And, Absolutely. You know, everybody's there cheering them on. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, we have a terrific community you know, that are so supportive and so nurturing and yeah. they, you know, they, everyone else succeed. It's, it's really zero competition. That's beautiful. Um, and that's, that makes a difference, right? That means that people, you know, when people walk into the studio, everyone knows their name. Yes. It's like being on cheers. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So we don't have anyone sidling up to the bar. We don't have a norm yet, but you know, <laughs> maybe there's it. room in the, in the loft for a, a bar. Maybe just kombucha though. So this is your full-time gig now. Have you moved away from? No, no you're still working? I still work full-time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
and what's next? Yep. In fact, I'm in my I'm in my aerial clothes because I was actually teaching two classes before I jumped back here to take oh my this. God, so. You're amazing. Yeah, I work. I work by day and I aerial by night. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like that should be my t-shirt, right? That's fantastic. <laughs> so just before we wrap up here, can you tell me what's next? Like, What are you excited for now that, uh, fingers crossed and not to jinx anything, the pandemic seems to be actually properly coming to an end now. Big um, plans or I, just more of the I same? I am excited for in-person. Yeah. You know, whatever that looks like. If it looks like a really choreographed and showcased thematic piece that people audition for or whether it's just little snippets or, you know, the one that I mentioned that will start where people just get to sign up and it's kind of like an open, you know, an open showcase. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for the students to have the chance when they want to, to be in front of a live audience and hear that live applause, right? Uh-huh. And, and the energy of a crowd. Yeah. And, and I'm excited to, for audiences to be able to see it. Yes. It's very different in person than it will ever be when you watch it online or in a video. Yeah. I'm really excited. We expanded this year. Okay. Is, I know in the pandemic, who expands? But we did. <laughs> you apparently. Um, it's brilliant. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so bringing in a lot of the ground-based classes, I'm excited about as well, because I think it gives, it gives the, the community really a chance to, to decide, yeah. right? How they how they want to begin exploring any kind of artistic athletic endeavor. And it's great. So whether that is ballroom dancing, like I'm going to start converting our space into a ballroom once a quarter and do formal ballroom dances. Yeah. Because I think so much Um, of it is getting familiar with... It was kind of a ballroom once upon a time, so I'm going to honor its past and and bring it back. That's gorgeous. Well, because once they're familiar with you and your space, they'll be happy to come to different classes. And I think that's so... Cool. You know, someone who's coming to the aerials might try yoga for the first time or might try ballroom dancing because they know you and they know the setup and they know what they're going to see when they walk into the space. And I think that's actually incredibly important. And I think it stands in the way of people trying something new is that that worry about what it's going to feel like when they walk through those doors and another new person. But if they've already done that for one modality, then to open them up to the ability to come to other modalities is amazing. I think that's just fantastic. And that's, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a nice, that's a nice observation is to recognize that that, that barrier, yeah, you know, is, it's already is the down. barrier of the unknown. So when yeah. you can kind of remove some of the unknown, then the exploration can really start. Hopefully they can come and play in, in other areas as well. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so glad I had a chance to talk to you today. I'm so excited by your space. I want to come and play. We talk about, you know, going around and and visiting our clients and having a bit of a play. And maybe when the pandemic lifts a little bit, we'll actually rock up and and come and say hello and see what you guys are doing in person. I'd love that. We would love that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 